I started here in 2003, so it has been uh, 20 years. And by the grace of God, and I'm just trying to get through this one today, but by the grace of God, uh, may he give us another 20 years, right? I hope so. I hope so. Before that break, we had started the book of Nehemiah, and we got one sermon into it, and I can't wait to get back to that. But when I went on, on, on this break, I decided that I'm going to start reading the Psalms. The Psalms are filled with all sorts of emotions. And so I read the whole book of Psalms over the last little bit, and uh, I, I kept seeing the word soul, S-O-U-L. It's a really repetitive word in the book of Psalms. And one of the ways to read your Bible and study your Bible is just to recognize the things that it says over and over again. I didn't count as I read through it, but I looked it up, and 94 times in the book of Psalms, we have the word soul. The Psalms are books, are, are 150 different songs. It's the songbook for the people of Israel. And so when you're singing to God a worship song, it's important to recognize that it's got to come from the heart. With obedience and action, we know that we can do things without it coming from the heart. We all know that. We all know how to go through the motions and do the right things regardless of whether our heart's in it. But can you sing worship to God without your soul being in it? No. We know that. And so when you get this emphasis over and over again in the book of Psalms, you see that this is about the realest part of us. This is about the inside of us. This is about who we are. This is about our soul. And Psalm 103 is like one of the very, very best at it. It speaks directly to it. Psalm 103.1, bless the Lord, O my soul. And the last two songs that we just sang were all about that. God is wanting you and me to take time to reflect deeply on our soul. And I think we're not very good at that. I think that's a characteristic of Americans. We're busy, we go, we run. We'll say we're doing okay, whether we're not doing okay. We don't always reflect upon our soul. So I want to ask you this morning, if you'll let me, and if you won't just suffer through it, how is your soul doing? I'm not asking about your job or your family, or your health, or your income. I'm asking about your soul. How is your soul? That's what God wants us to look at. Deep down, inside, behind it all, how are you? I've been able to ask this to myself over the past two months, and it's been good. At the deepest part of me and you, at the realest the most pure and honest perspective, how are we doing? Well, the Bible is good at helping us get to answers. It brings up the soul over and over again. In the passage that we read just a few minutes ago from Matthew 22, Jesus says that the greatest commandment of all, the most important thing, and I think mine said greatest and Matt said most important, so I like that. The most important thing of all is that we love God, and it even says from the soul, with all of your soul. 
You might be able to say how you're loving God with your body, and you might be able to say how you're loving God with your, with your mind, what you think about or what you do, but there's another category of worship, of obedience to God in the greatest commandment. It comes before the Sabbath, it comes before lying, it comes before adultery and lust, it comes before sex, it comes before stealing, it comes before honoring mom and dad. It's bigger and better than those. It's more important than those. Are you loving God with all of your soul? And and I think, speaking about myself and probably speaking about you all, we don't even know. I think we try to answer how our soul's doing by, yeah, I've been going to church. Work's going okay. That's not even considering our soul. Now, certainly it, it flows out of the soul in a real faithful sense. God is speaking to the soul, and he wants us to love him from the soul. That was Matthew 22 with the greatest command, love him with all your soul. Another one, Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. Some of y'all sleep a lot, but your soul isn't resting. Some of y'all do a lot of peaceful things, but your soul is not resting. And so this psalm, Psalm 103, which many people say Psalm 103 is the best psalm of all. But we're not going to study all of it. It's really good. Andrew's song just kind of showed you that. We're just going to look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now that phrase, all that is within me, helps us to think about the soul. It's going within. That's good, right? Not bless the Lord and all that is without me. Not bless the Lord with all that I'm doing. Not a prayer that says, God, I got a lot to do today, and I pray you'd bless all of it. Because that's, I mean, that's a good prayer, and I, I pray that a lot. But this one is, God, all that's going on within me. God, deep down. With my struggles and my doubts and my feelings and my thoughts, the innermost part of me, God, be blessed. Oh, God, be lifted high. God, be magnified. God, in the middle of all, may my soul treasure you, love you, delight in you, believe you, be thankful for you, appreciate you, understand you. May my soul know that my sins are forgiven. May my soul know that you did that. May my soul know that you're my father. May my soul know that you sent him to the cross and you raised him out of the grave. God, soul know that death's been overcome and you live forever, God. May my soul know that and trust that, God. And may I sit in whatever circumstances I sit in going My soul blesses the Lord. That's what God wants, and Psalm 103 gives us that. Spurgeon, speaking about the soul blessing God, says, God's all cannot be praised with less than our all, meaning it's got to come from the soul. We can't say we're doing certain things. Linda, pat him on the shoulder. Chris. Um. We can't say we're doing certain things and feel like God's being worshipped if we've ignored the soul. We've got to consider the soul. And Psalm 103 brings us there. 
So I'm using Psalm 103 verse 1 as a bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. But from there, I want to use all of the Psalms because, like I said, I have, I have recently read all of them to give us four observations from the Psalms about the soul. So here we go. Number one, the Psalms tell us of the honest soul. The Psalms tell us of the honest soul. This is one of the most popular things about the Psalms. It is a roller coaster of emotions. There are Psalms that make you smile and there are Psalms that make you cringe. There are Psalms that are so brutally honest, you go, that's not reality. That's some churchy, you know, paradise. And there are Psalms that are like, that's pretty dark. I can't even believe they're talking about that. The Psalms are brutally honest, as we often hear. But if the soul is that important and that valuable, then don't we need God and his book to be that truthful with us? Do you remember when, in Mark 8 when Jesus said, What profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his what? Soul. What good would it be for you? What profit at all if you became awesome? If you became wealthy? If you got awards and everybody liked you, but you had neglected your soul? And so the Psalms get open and honest with us so that you and I can say, I've been there. I've felt that. Let me give you an example. And this is what I'm going to do on each point. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. I have been reminded of how great the guys have done uh, getting out by noon each Sunday. I've already been reminded of that this morning. <laughs> so we're not going to spend a lot of time here. But I want you to look at Psalm 86 real quick. Let's look at this. And let's just look at how honest this is. This is my first point. That you've got to be honest. You've got to be honest with your soul. I've said a lot over the years at how much we hate like silence and stillness and we kind of run from that. Commenting on how people always need some background noise. Some of y'all eat dinner with the TV on. Some of y'all sleep with the TV on because you just can't stand the silence, you know. The Psalms show us to be honest about why that is or to, or to go at it and say why. But just look at the first seven verses of Psalm 86. Look how honest this is. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. That's honest, isn't it? I think we've got some people that still will not admit that. And will not admit that, spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking, on the inside, that they're poor and needy. We're still trying to talk ourselves up in the mirror and pump ourselves up instead of just confessing. But look at the next verse. Preserve my life, for I am godly. I, I laughed when I, when I got to this. This was, this was several weeks ago when I got to Psalm 86. It's about halfway through the Psalms. But I laughed. In back-to-back -back lines, you've got, God, I'm poor and needy. God, I'm godly. That's honest, isn't it? That's honest. Some days you're like, I'm doing well. I'm a child of God. 
And some days you're like, I, I don't even think I'm a child of God. How could I be a child of God? I'm not even sure if I'm a child of God. Don't even know if I want to be a child of God anymore. It's so honest. Verse 3, be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. This one's a little bit harder to know because we're not as open with people about this. There are people in the room that I know cry every day to God, and there are people in the room that I didn't even know, I don't even know that you do, that cry to God. So is the emotional state of the soul. We're three verses in, and we've got, I'm poor and needy, I'm godly, and God, I cry to you every day. Pretty honest. Verse four, gladden the soul of your servant for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving. That means he's being honest that he needs forgiveness. Abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. Who is it that needs grace? The person that knows that they've done wrong. How honest is that? God, I'm begging you for grace. I'm crying to you for grace. I'm pleading to you for grace. That's so honest. Verse seven, in the day of my trouble, I call upon you for you answer me. If you're honest enough to admit that there's trouble in your life, you're honest enough to admit that it's not always all good. This is just one psalm, Psalm 86, but it shows us that we can be honest about what's going on in our soul, what's going on inside of us. <clears throat> the range of emotions and the different thoughts. I want to encourage you this morning and just this first opening point for you to work and labor and discipline and push through to be honest about where your soul is. It's good to say, hey, just keep pushing on. Don't give up. Keep going. I like that. That's hard work and that's, that's discipline and that's steadfastness. And I, I like that. that. That's a message you got to give to yourself too. But when your soul is struggling or far from God, you also have to be honest about what the issue is. You also have to look deep and try to figure it out. You've got to look to God. And we don't like doing that. You see, the word honesty raises or requires truth over falsehood. And when I phrase it that way, I think we get more to the heart of the matter. Is there falsehood or deception going on in your soul? Are you just trying to cover it up or hide it or tune it out or ignore it? We need honesty with our soul. It's okay to admit that you've got a lot of things going well, but there's something on the inside of you and your soul that's not, and it's bothering you. Be honest about that. When we are more concerned with the outer life than the inner life, then we are more in line with legalism. We are more in line with conservative Christians that don't have their hearts in this. We're more in line with Pharisees and whitewashed tombstones to use the very words of Jesus. When we're more concerned with the outer than the inner, or much worse, when we're only concerned with the outer and we totally ignore the inner, we are not like God. We are not like Jesus. He is worshipped from the soul. God is worshipped from the inside out. One commentator says this and how we avoid honesty with our soul. He said, many talk freely enough to others, but they never talk to themselves. They are strangers to themselves. They're not on speaking terms they themselves. They take no interest in their own souls. 
They are dull and melancholy when alone. So the first observation about the soul that we get in studying the Psalms is that we need to be honest with our soul. The Psalms teach us that. I want to encourage you this morning to be honest. Secondly, we have the hurting soul. I don't even like trying to make this point. It seems like it's going to crush the crushed. It seems like it's going to beat down the the beaten down, and I don't want to do that. But a fair read of the Psalms shows us that there are a lot of people in that, that position. Let me just show you a few things. Psalm 13, 2, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? Psalm 31, 7, you have seen my affliction and you have known the distress of my soul. A sorrowful heart, a distressed soul. Psalm 77, 2, my soul refuses to be comforted. That's honest, isn't it? Psalm 88.3, for my soul is full of troubles. Psalm 142.4, there is none who takes notice of me. You ever thought that before? No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. Psalm 142.4. I don't know if that's true or not for you, but I'm saying that's a common expression of the way people feel. There are hurting souls. Those are just a few verses. But for you to see it a little bit more clearly, turn to Psalm 42. You're going to be a little bit familiar with Psalm 42. That great old hymn, As the Deer Pants for Water, comes from Psalm 42. It's straight from this psalm. But Psalm 42 is so deep and heavy. Normally with Psalm 42, because it's as the deer, we get this image of being by a mountainside and a pond. And you can go, you can go to any Christian bookstore and, and buy this painting. It'll have a beautiful picture of a landscape and a pond and a deer standing beside it. And at the bottom it'll say, as the deer. But if you read your Bible and you get to Psalm 42, it's not as tranquil as that. It's actually rather disturbing, Psalm 42. Psalm 42, verse 1, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul. There's our word, soul for you, O God. Verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. You ever cried so much that you didn't want to eat? That's, That's this psalm. That's Psalm 42. That's as the deer. Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. He's still talking about the soul, but then you you get over to verse 5. Look at verse 5 and look what he says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. And then if you didn't know this, if you jump down to verse 11, you got the exact same verse. And if you jump over to 43.5, you've got the exact same verse. It seems that Psalms 42 and 43 are a song that go together, both of those psalms emphasizing that the soul is hurting. Why, why, why is my soul hurting? Why am I so cast down? Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so depressed? Why does my soul hurt? Why is there 
their turmoil. The Psalms show us that. And I hope that over the years we've done a good job of teaching this, but church, we must be honest that so much of church and so much of faith has missed this point, hasn't it? Christianity has been reduced in so many ways to just a motivational speech or a positive inspiration, a text of the day that tells you to cheer up. That's not reality. If you need one verse a day to help your day go better, then you can find you a good one. But if you read your Bible like all the way through the Psalms, you land on stuff like this. And you get excited when you get to Psalm 42 and you think, oh, that's as the deer. I love that song. As the deer panteth for. Right? I love that song. We haven't sang it in a while. Yeah, let's sing it. And you keep reading and you're like, wait a second. This guy's not happy. His soul is cast down. He's having a hard time. And hopefully you go, well, that's more like it. I know some people that are in that position. Their soul's hurting right now. And the Bible shows us that. Christianity needs to say often, I mean every day, life is hard. We need to be honest about that. The soul hurts sometimes. I'm not here saying that the soul's always hurting. We're not going to leave today depressed. This is only point two of four points. But we must be honest about the hurting soul. People are hurting People's souls are hurting. I'm not here today to say all of the reasons and the causes why. Although that's a very much needed discussion. And it's sometimes a neglected discussion. Why are we in this position? You're aware of how many homeless people are around us now? It used to be a problem in downtown Louisville. Now it's an issue here even in Fairdale. And just recently they've all been run off or taken off or removed or I don't know what happened. And that's probably for the good. It definitely looks better, I know that. I'm not against that. But I'll tell you what I have been thinking about. Where are they? And what's happened to them? I know that this church was trying. We had been feeding them. They have our church office phone number and they call us. We've got Cokes stocked up if they're thirsty. When we've got food and we cook, we give it to them. I wonder what's happening now. I saw the news this week as we got word of somebody who died in Jefferson Memorial Forest. And I felt, why? What happened? What brought that about? This sermon's not about why and what's wrong with everybody in the world. There's enough people out there arguing about that these days. But the Psalms have reminded me that there's a lot of hurting people. Why do you think the overall message that you keep hearing from marginalized groups is be kind, love people. I certainly don't have all the observations. I certainly don't have all the answers. But the Psalms have reminded me that there are a lot of hurting people. There are a lot of hurting souls. 
And if you want to be like Jesus, you will feel that. And before you're ready to condemn, before you're ready to condemn, and before you're ready to put yourself above them, may you feel that people are hurting. The hurting soul needs to be healed. And only Jesus can do that. If our issues were outside of us, then there's a lot of ways to fix that. A lot of things you can do. You can say, here's what I've done. But if it's a soul work that has to happen sometimes in people, which it is soul, only God can do that. God is the lover of the soul. He's the healer of the soul. Jesus died for souls. The Bible teaches us that this body that we're in right now is a shell, a tent, a jar of clay that will not necessarily stay with you forever. And the older you get and the more it's worn out, the more you're like, well, I'm thankful for that. The Bible teaches us that we are more than the body. We are a soul. And to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. You need to care about that part of you. You need to reflect and dig deep and analyze that part of you. Don't ignore it. Don't hide it. The hurting soul needs healing. Number one, we've got to be honest with our soul. Number two, we've got hurting, the hurting soul. And number three, we've got the healing soul. That's why I didn't want y'all to stop right there. And we keep reading the Psalms. Boy, do they speak about that. That's why they're like a roller coaster. It depends on what Psalm you're at. Some are so much filled with so much hurt, but some are filled with so much healing. Psalm 17, 13 says, Arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him, deliver my soul, and he will. Psalm 19.7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The soul is able to be revived. The soul can be beat down, worn out, distracted, discouraged. The soul can be hurting and then live to see another day. The soul can be uplifted. Jesus is the lifter of our head and he is the lifter of our soul. Psalm 33.20 says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. God is like that. And your soul can wait on him, and he will come. But the one I want to focus even more on comes from Psalm 23. I'm glad to use this one again. Turn there real quickly. I'm glad to use this one again because you know it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That's only like a half a verse. Actually, that's only a third. Actually, that's only like a quarter of a verse. But you can remember that. He restores my soul. And so the next time, by faith in Jesus Christ, that your soul hurts or is downcast or is in turmoil or is anything other than you know it should be, the next time, would you believe he restores my soul? And would you say a prayer that's only that long? Nowhere does the Bible say you have to pray lengthy. Would you say a prayer that is only that long that says, God, restore my soul. I need it. 
God, it's empty. It, it's, it's hurting, God. Restore it. And the Bible says that he does and he will. He does it in the way or in the context of being a shepherd. And shepherds lead sheep. They care for sheep. They protect sheep. They do all kinds of things for the sheep. They just make sure that everything goes well for the sheep. They make sure that they eat. They make sure that they're in a good spot. They make sure they move over to a good place where they can get some water. They make sure they go over to a spot where they can get some, some grass to eat. They make sure that all the bad things like the wolves and the foxes are, are kept away. That's what shepherds do. And this psalm is saying that God, Jesus, is like that for us. As the sheep spend time with the shepherd, as they walk with the shepherd, as they listen to the shepherd, he restores their soul. God will do that for you. Restoring means that it empties. Restoring means that it needs to be refilled. It needs to be restored, which means that we can be honest about that. I don't think I knew everything, to be honest, that I needed to be restored. I thought everything was going great. And then it wasn't. About two months ago for me. But by the grace of God, he's restoring me. Which means that we can be honest about that. I've heard so many horror stories of people that have burned out. Probably everybody in the room knows somebody that's burned out before. And I got so scared immediately what if I'm not restored? And what if I am burnt out? And what if I can't do what I'm supposed to do? But the Bible says he does. He restores souls. If we're honest that our soul needs to be restored. And we go to the one who restores. There is a hurting soul but there is also a healing soul. The child of God knows that this life will bring struggle. Believers know that. Doesn't Jesus tell us that over and over again? Right now you can call to mind a handful of verses where Jesus talks about that. In this life you will have trouble, trials and temptations. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you face those, right? We could go on and on. We know the verses, Life is going to present those to us. The child of God knows this. But the child of God should also know that that God is with us. And he will take care of us. And every day we get low, he revives. His mercies are new every morning. As far as the east is from the west, which is in Psalm 103, that's how far he's removed our sins from us. He will never leave us. He is with us. He picks us up. He forgives there is the healing soul. When you read the Psalms and you read them through, you see this over and over again, this kind of prayerful song of wrestling with God, pick me back up, God, give me another chance, God, restore me, revive me. And that is so honest, isn't it? That's more like Christianity. I know, I know oftentimes church is, is presented like show up and put on a good face. And that's why I'm thankful that our church has so much more life to it than just Sunday mornings. I came here yesterday morning. I didn't even take a shower. I came here early yesterday morning for a men's prayer breakfast. There was a whole group of guys here. I wore the same clothes that I'd worn the day before. I didn't comb my hair. And people saw me that way. We can be honest about how life is. That's real Christianity. 
Church, can we, can we serve South Louisville really well? Can we serve Fairdale really well? Can you be a blessing to your family by being ultra honest about your soul, by, by admitting when your soul hurts and then admitting that he heals your soul? You don't have to fake anything. You don't have to put on a front. You don't have to be the best behaved. You don't have to be any of that. You have to trust in a Savior that loves you and died on the cross for you, that is healing and restoring your soul. It is perfectly fine for every believer to be a work in progress. He is healing our soul. Number one, there's the honesty about the soul, and then there's the hurting soul, and number three, the healing soul, and then lastly, number four, the Psalms present to us that there can be the happy soul. Praise the Lord. Today's sermon is not just gloom and doom that we all should be depressed because that's real Christianity. Hopefully it's an honest assessment of what life is like. But the Psalms show us too that the same people that are honest and hurting and healing have found happiness too deep inside of them. Not happiness in their circumstances, but happiness in the love of God that has penetrated and taken over them from the inside out. Matter of fact, the happy soul will be the first to admit that everything in life is not always happy. That there is reason about us to not be so happy, but on the inside, there is a contentment that can only be explained by the love of God in redemption and mercy and grace that only Jesus can do. Psalm 35, 9, then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. Psalm 57, 1, in you my soul takes refuge. There were two words over the last two months that were over and over again in the Psalms. Today's sermon was soul, and the other word was refuge. What a beautiful word. You have both there. My soul finds refuge, harbor, safety, shelter in you, God. You may have had a really good mom and dad, and your your outer may not need a refuge. I know that. There's some awesome people in the room. You don't need anything. Some of y'all are so good at life, you don't need anything. I know that. You got jobs, you know, to save your money, you give, you treat people well. Some of y'all are just great at life. Everything's good on the outside. But the Bible and the Psalms show us that your soul needs refuge. And only God can be that. Psalm 62, 1, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Psalm 63, my soul will be satisfied. What 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 a prayer. My soul will be satisfied. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. My soul clings to you. I love that imagery. I know how arms cling. I I know how to give a big hug. But the Psalms say that my soul does. That's some sort of a faith. That's some sort of a deep inside down. You can't really explain it. You can't draw a picture of a soul that's clinging. You just experience it by faith because of the mercy of God working in you. My soul clings to you, God. Psalm 66, come and hear all you who fear God. Listen to this. And I will tell you what God has done for my soul. Oh, that's an amazing verse. That does not praise me very much. And may we start. May we start. You know the phrase when you're talking to somebody and say, hey, can I tell you something? And they kind of lean in a little bit and say, yeah, go ahead. Hey, can I tell you something? And you figure out by faith how to explain to them honesty, hurting, 
healing happiness in your soul. And let's just be real honest. You will not do that without Jesus. But with Jesus, you can. You can be honest, hurting, healing, and happy inside. What a verse. Y'all, you can write it down. It's Psalm 66, 16. All you who fear God, and I will tell you what God has done for my soul. Not what your dad did for you by giving you a work ethic. Not what your mom did for you by always cooking you meals. Not what your coach did for you, your teacher did for you, your boss did for you in doing this and this and this in life. All that's there. To God be the glory. May you honor them all the days of your life. What God has done for your soul. Tell somebody about that. Psalm 71, 23. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also. What an amazing statement. Which you have redeemed. My mouth's going to praise you, God, and then my soul's going to, too. Psalm 94, 19, when the cares of my heart are many. Y'all, this has been like one of my key verses over the last two months. Psalm 94, 19. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. When, when my soul's overwhelmed, when my cares of my heart, I mean, when I'm distracted about this and worried about this and thinking about this and I'm too overwhelmed by this and I'm too nervous by this, God's consolations, his promises comfort my soul. Psalm 107.9, he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Satisfies the soul, fills the soul. Psalm 131, verse 2, I have calmed and quieted my soul. No more turmoil, peace and tranquility, comfort. Psalm 139, verse 14. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You know that one? That's Psalm 139. That's that's one of the best Bible verses that shows us that that God made us in our mom's womb. It's one of the best, best passages in the Bible to show how deeply God knows us. Before he formed us, he knew us. That's that passage. But the way he says it in verse 14 is God is wonderful. What he does is fantastic, fearfully and wonderfully made. God's works My soul knows it. He knows him. He thinks on him. He believes him. He trusts him by faith on the inside working itself out. He delights in God. Look back with me now, if you will, to Psalm 103. This is where we started and this is where we will end. Soul work is not just uh, emotional and it's not just thinking. It's also spiritual. And that's why this Psalm 103 is really good. Look at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2, though. Bless the Lord, O my soul, same thing. And forget not all his benefits. 
And then what you have really going to fit, the rest of it is kind of this remembering the benefits that you get from God. Well, your soul receives that as your heart and your mind and your whole being embraces that. You come to hear and know that God loves you, that he's the measure of truth, that he's the one true God. He's the Father in heaven. And that in his love, he didn't run away from us when we sinned against him. He came to us when we sinned against him. Look at the next thing that he says there in verse 3. Who forgives all of your iniquity. Psalm 103 is showing us that the soul is responding to, experiencing, having a relationship with the God who saves people through Christ. We become followers of Christ when our souls embrace that God loves us. And the result of that is, God, you deserve the glory. God, you're worthy. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. There is not an aspect of us. There's not an early morning or a late night. There's not a high attitude or a bad attitude. There's not a, any experience where we are not looking and trusting to God, wanting him to get the glory for all of the goodness in our lives. That's the idea behind this. We can be honest that that's not always the case. We can be honest that there are times that we are actually hurting and we don't feel that. But by faith in the promises of God, he is healing those sins. He is healing those struggles. He is forgiving those sins as we confess them to him, as we repent of our sins, and as we look to a cross that killed him and an empty grave that he overcame to know that he loves us. The soul can be happy when it's in of its sinfulness. Listen to this quote in closing about Psalm 103, verse 1. Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Commentator John Stevenson says, Let your conscience bless the Lord by unvarying fidelity. Let your judgment bless him by decisions in accordance with his word. Let your imagination bless him by pure and holy musings. Let your affections praise him by loving whatsoever he loves. Let your desires bless him by seeking only his glory. Let your memory bless him by not forgetting any of his benefits. Let your thoughts bless him by meditating on his excellencies. Let your hope praise him by longing and looking for the glory that is to be revealed. Let your every sense bless him by its fealty, your every word by its truth, and your every act by its integrity. May the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, make you and me and this church people that love him from the soul. May we hear phrases like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And may we accept we're in soul work. We're going to be honest about our struggles and our sins. 
we will confess them to him. And by the grace of God, may we love him and bless him from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Psalm 103. God, may we be honest about where our souls are. And may we run to Jesus. Father, may we believe that he is able to heal our souls. May we believe all these truths that we've read today. And may we experience the healing and happiness that only you can do. Father, thank you that the Bible is teaching us to be honest. In our homes and in our lives, God, may we not be those that are hiding it. May we not move around in faith and falsehood. May our religion not be covering up things that we are too ashamed to address. May we be honest about our hurting souls. Father, would you do the great work of drawing us to yourself and healing our souls for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.